0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This is the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, joined on Skype by Richie Smith. Richie, thanks very much for joining us. You were at the game yesterday, so my first question to you, how was it? And it's a broad question.
2: <laughs> um, it was, uh, I guess, in general, it was a fantastic away day. Brentford in general, um, just a, a, a great experience. As far as you know, the ground is five minute walk from the train station. It's right bang in the middle of a housing estate. It's got a real um, kind of local feel to the, uh, to the place. Um, as far as the stadium's concerned. Um, the Brentford staff, the security, the um, turnstile, um, the turnstile uh, workers—everyone was just very pleasant as well, very welcoming. I think it's really important to note that. Um, and just the experience of being stood in like turnstiles
1: just had just terraces. Out, out, out,
2: out, terraces. Yeah, sorry, terraces. <laughs> sorry. So yeah, stuff so, sort of terrace has really just contributed to a, a, a generally really positive atmosphere and just. Had quite a nice old traditional feel to it, uh, so it was in general just a very, very positive experience of um, <clears throat> of Brentford uh, itself. Um, <clears throat> the game, the game was a really strange in many respects. It was 10, 50, first 10-15 minutes, Newcastle looked well up for it. Um, lots of link-up of play between Perez and Gale, which we haven't really seen. <laughs> Great, yeah. <laughs> when, when those two have started together and. Uh, the, the goal came kind of pretty expectedly, really, because we'd started to show some, um, you know, started to show some, create some really good chances, and after, as soon as Gail got injured, it was just the game just sort of turned. It was it was uh, Brentford definitely were the better team. I, I'd say from the point that Gail went off um, up until the rest, the, the end of the game. To be honest, um, but. That being said, I'd say it was. Yeah, Dallos had to make a few good saves in general, but um, and it was got it got a bit got a bit tight towards the end. But just brilliant to see Newcastle do what they haven't really been able to do this season, um, and be in a position to <clears throat> kind of scrape and and, and nick the points. Um, okay, we, we might have maybe scraped a draw, which is we've talked about that. But the ability just to do that with three points, I think, was. Given what the game, the, the way the game was going, I mean, we—I I can't even remember Newcastle having a chance on goal second half until until um, Murphy popped up the score. Um, and, and, and one thing that I just feel has gone really under the radar, which I just could not believe, was the nine minutes worth of injury time. I mean, it, it's, it's almost not been talked about. But when do you ever see nine minutes of injury time? Okay, we had we had, injuries injuries occurred, there were substitutions but when you see nine minutes of injury time, you associate that with really bad injuries, you know th- those injuries which take literally six or seven minutes to get the player off the pitch and I, I honestly, I just I, I, we, we honestly thought when they showed the, the uh, nine minutes, we thought that was the sub getting made, that the player with number nine was coming onto the pitch and I was like no, oh, that's the actual amount of injury time it, it, incredible, incredible and just one of those that just wasn't really talked about, but I just it just flabbergasted and, and you know that that nearly cost us because Brentford were just chance after chance in that in injury injury time and we were just all all hands to the pump you know so but um, <clears throat> yeah overall I think you know okay the performance wasn't great after Gale went off we've lost some key players um, during the game but the ability just to to
1: take three points and given. Um Brighton's result as well was was absolutely massive. Yeah, and I mean you you've you've gone through a lot of stuff there and I think that's a pretty good uh summing up of everything. Um I think we'll we'll start we'll start with the result. Um like you said, it was it was almost uh the, the best thing about yesterday was a it was a freebie in terms of you know, Reading got beat, Leeds moved closer to a um Huddersfield got beat, Huddersfield would have got above Leeds I think if they'd have won so they they'd have been close to us again, they got beat and then then brighton losing quite deservedly as well um a little bit of a <laughs> a bonus for me because of my match day special for true faith one of the things i wrote about was was i thought brighton were going to drop points in the next three games preston sheffield and huddersfield so the lost to preston now they've got sheffield and huddersfield coming up sheffield yeah. at home huddersfield away and i actually said by the time we played wolves we'd be back top again but it's, it's happened even sooner than that yeah, um, yeah. And, and and the game the game they've got in hand on us. I know who knows what will happen later on in the season. But Cardiff are one of the, the divisions uh, form teams, I think as well. So it's 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 looking very good. And me and Si were were in Newcastle. Um, I wasn't able to make the other game because of the fixture change. Uh, we we started listening to it on the radio, but you 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 soon realise that the BBC Newcastle commentary online is is a good two three minutes behind, like Twitter and Sky. Yeah, so yeah. it was almost it was almost pointless listening to it. Um, and, you know, like you, well, not like you because you were there, but we experienced the same as you in terms of Brentford's domination after the injury and what, me and Sy kind of talking amongst ourselves about how how good a result a draw would be, how good it would be to actually get a draw, almost winning the draw over the win. Well, not really, but we're thinking, Howardy Castle, just get out of a game that you're not playing well in with something. And yeah. and to come out of it like you said with three points is is a, is a massive achievement for that that playing staff and that and the manager and the fact that after the game he he's manager has talked about pride pride in the players pride in the yeah. squad and the effort and it goes back to um, last season and you know it's last season's gone and I'll probably make too many comparisons to it but it is just crazy if you if you look at the amount of games we'll just fold like a pack of cards you know yeah. Brentford Chelsea it doesn't matter who the opposition are. Newcastle teams have over lost that game comfortably by by four or five probably. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. It's I mean, great. Uh, you're, you're right, and I think
2: just 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 on the kind of characteristic aspect, there, there was some aspects of that that are I, that I are that are may saw a little bit lacking yesterday. and Maybe I don't know whether he wants to come onto those uh, now but in in relation to the defence. Um, but <clears throat> in, in general, you're, you're completely right, Alex. That's um, worth. When you know Newcastle, just, just so long, have just never been that that team who've been able to come back when the chips are down to to snatch and grab, and you know we've okay, we, we haven't, we, we still haven't really been able to do that that well this season. But the fact that you know yesterday, given how much the game had turned for such a long pe- uh, space of time, that even you know the fans in the terraces were just, I think, all stood there just you know willing, willing the draw. And the the goal came out of nowhere, just showed that there's that you know there's, they've still got that nose, but also the ability to just to hold on, to hold on, uh, to to keep it as a draw for so long in the game, and not to concede and and um, and, and just giving them themselves that opportunity to snatch it at the end of the game. I thought was just really reassuring to see.
1: Yeah, I think to put us on fifty five points as well. I, I would normally either say you know two points a game, 90, 92 points will. I think it's yeah. ninety points is the average to guarantee automatic promotion. I think there's been two teams ever since the inception of the championship to not go up on ninety points. Watford and someone else a few years ago, but I don't think it'll take that because the teams below are beating each other so regularly and dropping points so regularly. I think it'll take eighty points. So we need we need ten wins from a final eighteen games. If you look at I mean if you look at some of the fixtures we've got in terms of the bottom half of the league, it's it's almost uh, a done deal in my opinion. Um, go back to the start of the game, obviously you were kind of, he selected the the only team he could realistically, you looked at that bench and you, you know, you, yeah. Gale was always going to start, Murphy was on the bench, Samuel Miobe was on the bench, there wasn't a lot of attacking options there, did we start like a house on fire, was it all us before that first goal? I
2: wouldn't say it was all us, um, but there was, you know, what was really positive was to see um, the, the link-up play between Perez and Gale. I mean, Perez's best game in ages by by a country mile, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the, you know the the, the looked like they just the hard attacking intent. Um, and you know, as I said, they created a, created a, a couple of chances um, early on. I think Perez had a chance as well. I'm not sure if it was before or after Gale scored. Um, where he probably should have scored as yeah, well. Yeah, it was just after. Yeah, it was just after. Yeah, uh, where he probably should have maybe like chip the keeper, but yeah. just sort of shot, shot straight at him. Um, but uh, again, what is very evident to see at the same time is, especially without Shelby and the team, we would do that. There is a lack of there is a lack of ideas creatively. I, I would say. Um, and, and, and I think that does limit us. You know, you just look at that team yesterday and, and really the only kind of, like, attacking, really attacking intent players were had like that were like Perez, Gail, and, 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 and Richie. And even then, I think Richie just, for me, is just at the minute just isn't doing enough um, from an attacking point of view. Um, and so it, I think that, that there was no surprise that when Gail got injured, why things just... Changed so dramatically because there was no one running in behind the defenders. There was Gill was pulling out wide as well and doing the channels, and that's where he obviously scored his goal from. On in from out wide. And
1: on his goal. Was, on his goal. Can I just say, no one's talking about it. He's picked the ball up on the halfway line, <laughs> ran okay. forty yards. Fair enough. No one's put a tackle in. So yes, it's not quite good of the season. But Christ, <laughs> some goal. That what a finish as well.
2: Oh, oh it's this finish is it is incredible. It, it hits the it hits the far you know, the
1: the, um, the far side of the net from yeah. where he's shooting. And it literally hits the the,
3: the inside of the net. It's it's it
2: absolutely cracking finish, but you just you can see he's just his his finishing ability is incredible. You know, and you, you hear a lot of people who've like worked with him in the past say that he's one of the best most clinical finishers they've ever seen and it, it you can see why he's, he can just
1: any angle he's can. he he's, he's got it all you know he's, there, was, he's, uh, there was that accusation kind of the first maybe 10 games of the season that he didn't he wasn't clinical enough that he he got himself in great positions but missed a lot of chances but he's put that to bed definitely he's, oh, he's easily one of the best finishers in the division I think the Norwich game you know when he, he eventually scored but he should have had three beforehand it just seems to be something like like a lot of players we've got he seems to be getting better and better as the season goes on which is positive
2: yeah and also You know, when you talk about clinical strikers, like truly, truly clinical strikers, there's not that many of those that exist in the world. You know, clinical strikers are like the world class uh, strikers who are playing for the the biggest clubs. You know, we're talking about a player here who's playing for a championship club. Yeah, he's 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 not he's not going to be clinical as people expect clinical to be. Is like you know, you get one chance, you put it away. Sometimes (laughs) those players that aren't in that top bracket, which Gale isn't, um, is you know. They may need two or three chances, but they'll they'll still be able to say, I'll tell you what, though, give me a few chances and I will guarantee you a goal that game. And he's and he's pretty much, you know, he's, he's scoring pretty much one in, one every time, a goal every time he plays, you know. Yeah,
1: 20, 20 and 22 starts this season, yeah, which is exceptional.
2: Which is, it is, absolutely. And it's the first first player for uh, Newcastle that has scored 20 goals in a season since Shearer in 2003, I think.
1: Yeah, and, it's, um, it's January. Almost <laughs> and, and exactly. We've still got. <laughs> Like
2: half the season still to play, but um, I uh, but yeah, I think it was a little bit. Well, I'd say it was concerning to see um the lack of maybe ideas after um after Gale did get in get get injured um Murphy, I, I just can't even remember really touching the ball to be honest <laughs> until he actually scored the goal. But you know, fair play. Um, but yeah. You do wonder just how much of a reliance there really is on Gale and and that and and us being set up in that formation, um, and and it is it was a bit concerning to see that after he after he went off that that there really wasn't much of an idea, uh, and um, you know you you look that now Gale's out, um, Mitrovic is out, can we rely on, you know I think I think I think if we're if we're going to rely on Daryl Murphy over the next. Few weeks, and we've got you know a few games coming up. We're gonna to have to think of maybe another way of playing there to, to maximize you know his his, his uh, strengths and presence in the team. Because I, I, yesterday it didn't really look like we had that idea.
1: I think the good thing is that, um, four, if, if we beat Birmingham, four of the next five are at home, if we don't beat Birmingham, the next four are at home. So I, I'm much more comfortable with it, you know, having that run of home games. When we're naturally going to play further up the pitch, put more pressure on um, the opposition than away games. Like you say yesterday, I mean it was the same at Birmingham last week when Smiđević went off because Smiđević and Murphy had started really well together, which just didn't even look like scoring past the first twenty minutes. Um, but I think with them being home games, it's it is a lot. You know, it's it's easier to stomach that loss of Dwight Gale, who could be up from anything out there a week to six weeks, depending on the extent of the, the injury. Um, but you know, and in, in that run as well, we'll have um, Rotherham and QPR. You know, so two two of the worst teams in the division at home. So I'd still back us to beat beat them without Gale, regardless. So I think it's a fairly lucky time to have that that injury to him. Um, but from what from what you're saying there, um, you know, the lack of creativity, the lack of outlets afterwards. I mean, by the end of the game, I noticed Dean Smith afterwards. The Brentford manager saying that you know he was a really proud of his team because of the resources that we have as a team um, for you know for them to put us under such pressure and in, the, in the, like the second half I was just thinking I think we had like ten players unavailable to wear <laughs> by yeah. the you know ten players who would be with a chance of starting or something like that or close to the first team who who weren't playing so we are we are down to the to the bare bones. I'm interested as well in Perez's performance. He only seems to play well when you turn up, Richie Fulham and. Uh, <laughs> not Fulham, qBr qBr and um and Brentford but but what it's interesting a the the assist was very very good um, b you just say his all-round play was good is that is that correct
2: yeah I mean I've I've said all season that he's he's not a number 10 he's not a left midfielder he's not a he's not a he's not a load striker I think if you've gotta, if you're gonna play him you've got to play him up the tops with a target man because um, he thrives on just you know, balls in the box and using his footwork to get shots off in the box. That being said, credit where it's due, he, he seemed to just lift his game yesterday, and I think a lot of it was just getting himself more involved, um, stay staying on his feet a bit more than he than he normally does. Um and you know, some of his I mean you got you got both assists and, and some of his just general link up players as I said with Gale, especially in the first twenty minutes. Really intrinsic, you know, great great footwork he would kind of you know kind of take one or two Brentford players uh, put them on the wrong on the wrong foot and then he then he distribute um but you know is <laughs> he, he he does have this undoubted technical quality and ability and this is maybe the frustrating thing about about him um and that you know I, I just didn't realize because we were up, obviously stood at the other end of the ground just how incredible that cross was that he put in I mean to do to put that ball in with the outside of his boot and literally just put it straight onto the forehead of an oncoming Darren Murphy. I mean that that, that cross, if that was, that would be getting lauded by if that was a top Premier League player doing that. I mean, so I mean that was
1: Ladan who put that cross in.
2: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> because you know, it's it's not it's not even like a it's not even a cross from like the edge of the box where it, the ball hasn't had to travel that far. He's 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 put it out from out wide. And it's it's put so much the perfect weight on it, the perfect kind of in. It's like an in swinger with his obviously with the outside of his boot. And it was just, yeah, you know, it, it just showed that he, he has got quality, he has got talent. But and, and yesterday was his his, um, his best game, and I think unfortunately for him, Gail going off did affect his play because he, you know, he was, ah, which didn't. He just the, 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 there's just not that same length of play as far you know with, with him and him and now uh, uh, Murphy. To, to him and Gil is the very different strikers but um, yeah you know I think he's he's definitely kind of shown that he's he's worthy of, of selection next game but I'm, that being said I'm still I'm still not convinced that he is this
1: number 10 that Benitez thinks he is um, yeah. but there you go but it's one of the things it's good to see some reward for the faith the manager has put in him and it's good to see we, we've said in the podcast numerous times maybe not so much now because there's literally no one else Um but earlier on, that um, you know, why 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 is he continually being selected? What have we possibly got the game by selecting them? Well, there's evidence there because there's, there's only probably him and Richie who've got the ability to do that. Um, you. you know, a lot, there's no one for Brentford can probably make a, a cross, a cross like that. And in addition, you've also got um, Murphy's run. I've, I've watched it got a couple of times on the the limited, mm. <laughs> you know, limited highlights that you get. Perez has the ball, and the the interesting thing is that he he has a look-up, he looks up, then Murphy makes the run. I think it's a bit of intelligence from Perez to, like, he didn't just get the ball and, right, I'm going to cross this no matter what, or I'm just going to whip the ball in and hope for the best. That, you know, the run was good, the ball was inch-perfect, and the finish as well from Murphy, let's not forget, the easy thing for Murphy to do there would would have been to power that header, most likely straight at the keeper, but the little glance to get it to the keeper's left-hand side... Just just fantastic playing that. That's that little bit of quality that we have. Like, you know, when you're saying we're, we're, we don't have much of the game, we're capable of scoring a goal out of literally nothing, because that wasn't even a chance. That situation in the game there when Brentford look back at the video and, and the manager looks back and the analyst look back, that's not even a, a bad position for Brentford to be in. They've got two centre-backs on Murphy. They've got a player in front of Perez. It's like, right, we're comfortable with this and we've still scored. So very yeah. positive from that. Um, I've heard good things about Kieran Clarke's performance. Would you agree with that?
2: Um, <laughs> going back to my earlier point, the one thing that really stood out for me yesterday, as far as like a negative, um, was I, I still feel like Darlow doesn't have like huge amounts of confidence in the two centre backs in front of him um, when it comes to like. Defending crosses and set right. pieces.
1: Yeah, we we'll, we we'll concede right. way too many from crosses and set pieces.
2: And you know the Brentford goal yesterday was just. I mean, Dalo. I don't know. I don't know what he was. Know what he. <laughs> I mean, it was the one bad thing he did all the game. Really, was this weird palm up in you the know, sky that he did. You know what I know it yeah.
1: was though. If if Dalo, th- this is a point about the defense, and I'm not just. i I like Dalo a lot. I'm not just trying to stick up for him because it, it was bad. whatever, whatever I'm going to say now just an excuse him. If he doesn't go and palm that ball, where does the ball go? How how will we allow him? That ball bounces if he doesn't do that. How will we allow him the ball <laughs> to bounce in the middle of an eighteen yard box from a corner in the middle of the goal? It's bizarre, isn't it? Like where, where's someone going to head that ball? It's I just and, and, I can't understand I just, it. I saw,
2: I saw this time and time again yesterday. Alex, of, like neither Lascelles or Clark really like just attacking that ball with the head. Like like even in injury time, the amount of balls getting put in the box. And you kind of just saw, you know, Blackburn did it against us a couple of weeks ago where they literally, every one of their defenders was sticking, was attacking the balls, was I've never seen so many blocks in my life, just literally just doing everything they can to just chuck themselves in front of it and get that ball cleared. And LaSalle's and Clark, for me, just didn't do that enough. They didn't, they they looked hesitant and always like, there was always this kind of expectation that that dollar would have to come and, and get it. And, and and to be fair to dog, he, he he did it most times he managed to punch the ball and catch the ball but I, I do get the impression that he's just he's not he's not filled with confidence with the two in front of him Now I'm not saying that Lascelles and Clark had bad games and I think Clark for me personally I, I he didn't I wouldn't say he stood out yesterday um, uh, by by any means um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't even I wouldn't say that him and Lascelles had, had bad games but they, they, they definitely do not they don't look like a pair of like domineering centre backs that, that are, are gonna that I felt were just you know every time there was a ball coming out of our box, which it was just your heart was in your mouth. It was just like it, especially in injury time when it was you know when they were chucking more players forward. But that was just my perception. I've seen a few people say that you know they were really impressed with Claude's performance, um, but for me, you know, not good, not
1: bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. I, I, like you, I'm, I'm only going off what I've seen other people say, so I, yeah. that's how, that's why I pose the question. Um, I, you know, you were you, right at the start of the of the program, you, you touched on how how positive a day it was. It was great, and that's great, and how much you enjoyed the terracing. Um, was it was there a good support? Because from what I heard on the radio and and heard on the highlights, it just seemed like a really good, positive away end. Yeah, in general, yes. Um,
2: although. <laughs> Uh, in the second half, there pretty much um, was nearly a fight directly <laughs> behind uh, where I was stood. Um, with one bloke, I mean, this is this is this is what we're facing. At the minute Colback <laughs> got the ball and did a lovely pass, like switched to out play to the right, and this bloke was like, basically said, "Fucking hell, Kolbe, what the fuck's that?" <laughs> as if, as if he'd literally just done like a, a back pass. To a oncoming a, a, a Brentford player, Colbeck literally pinged the ball outright to a Newcastle player, and then there was a bloke behind me who was basically said, "Support the team, stop complaining." And then it all massive scuffle and all the rest of it. It was just pathetic. Like, um, you know, it, that that aside, that aside, I'd say that the support was really positive. Um, you know, that we went a, went a bit quiet, kind of. I'd say, um after Brentford scored for the 10-15 minutes after they were dominating but in general they were really supportive and a lot of support for Carl Darlow as well behind the goal and, and, and kind of recognising the, the good work that he was doing he, he really did keep us in the game with some of the saves he made and, and, and things but yeah in general it was I can't apart from that one incident of that was just you know ridiculous that that actually happens um, fa- you know fans arguing and fighting with themselves in the stands in the terraces um, but you know, in general, it was it was it was it was good, mate. It was a it was a really um, you know especially first half really positive, loud um,
1: atmosphere. So um, that's was all good. That's good to hear, and that's also a little preview into my future because I've, I've I'm like that bloke who told that bloke, they had to support the team." I've made it me like I've just decided this year I'm just not gonna let assholes slag yeah. the team off without without someone. I'm not looking for a fight, but without someone saying something to them, so they know that people are gonna start saying stuff. How at that Blackburn? Happened at Sheffield at home. Happened at um, Forrest at home. Happened at Birmingham. <laughs> no fights yet, but I've turned around to people in, like, a lot, a lot of time. Like, you've just given a good example there. Yeah, it's frustrating. Say Callback and booted that ball out of play. Um, it's still not all right for the bloke to go on at him like that. Do you know what I mean? It, it's utterly pointless. Um, but the amount of times that these people are actually just wrong, it, it's, it's bizarre. Like, there was a callback um, at Birmingham, where he, where he had a really poor game, by the way. Um <laughs> he, he had like he had a player on his back, you know. So he was facing his own goal, and he ran back. He ran towards his own goal with the ball and passed to Darlow. And the people around me went absolutely nuts. And I, I just said to them, "What the fuck do you want him to do? That? Do you want him to try and take on the bloke, turn and take on the player with no one behind him, right? Like, with a free runner, uh, Darlow? Just people just seem to be looking for excuses to slate the bloke, which it's, is it's, it's, pathetic." It's like
2: a robotic reaction. You just saw it. It was like whatever he did that yesterday, that present, that specific moment with the ball. That that blow was gonna scream yeah. something at him. It was there was no like rationale behind it. It was just like oh, it's call back.
1: Yeah, Rah! Like <laughs> and it's it was it was nice pass. to see. It's not exactly the, the the most important part of the day, but it was nice to see him play forward passes uh, in both goals. Um, you know, for the gale, I think it was he won the ball back, um, and passed yeah. to someone else forwards, and then he passed to Perez. Good, nice little dive. very very simple I'm, I'm clutching at stores here but it's just a nice antidote that he never passes the ball forward well he did twice yesterday and we scored two goals so yeah, obviously yeah. not that bad I think that just about does it on the game unless there's anything else you want to touch on Um, I think I think just looking at the bench yesterday it was you know
2: even before the game and this is Newcastle who has has the 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 biggest and best squad in the championship at the start of the season, which just goes to show when you get some injuries, you get some players away on international duty, you know, things do suddenly start to look thin. And, and I, I, you know, I, you, you can't, I know that you said you talked before around we're quite lucky with some of the fixtures we've got coming up in Gales' potentially long absence. You know, that being said. You, he's a striker who's who's taken us to the top of the league because we've got a striker who's scored 20 goals this season take that out of our team and you know you, it, it is it is nerve-wracking because you know you, you, you are taking out of, um, our, our our main main source of goals and, and how we how we play um, so I, I I do think that um, I do hope that, they, that we do I know obviously they are busy with the, with the transfers and we'll obviously come up with that in a bit but I, I do hope that Things get accelerated, they do and they do try and do try and strengthen because I think I think we do need it. Um, I think players yesterday, um, even like Hayden, you know, getting injuries. I don't know how bad his is, um, but it just goes to show that players who have been playing regularly are susceptible to injuries as much as as much rotation as you can do. Players who are playing more, especially in like these winter months where you've been playing a lot a lot of games, it's it it, it can take its toll, and you know. We are going to
1: have a we have a big squad, but it doesn't mean that the squad that we will have is like are capable replacements to just it's step in and, and do a job as as well as the people who who are getting injured. So it's, yeah. a fu- it's a funny one, isn't it? Because well, he, he rested Gareth Birmingham didn't didn't bring him on when Mitrovic went off injured, which is what what like what do I know? That's what I would have done to make sure we won that game because we're already one 0 up. Yeah, <laughs> as a result, we'll have another game on Tuesday Wednesday, which we could do without. And Gail got injured anyway. So I'm sure that's just ridiculous bad luck, isn't yeah. it? On, on Rafa's part of me thinking, I did it, you know, we did everything right here, we protected the main player.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say that with Gail's injury, because um, I, I was probably one of the first to spot it, like to see him looking a bit uncomfortable. And it looked like I mean so it looks like a hamstring injury, but it looked like it was one of those where I don't think he necessarily pulled it, yeah. Um, but but maybe just felt it, like it didn't yeah. feel right, and I and I get the impression that the instruction is from Rafa. If you feel the slightest, you know the slightest un- bit of un- piece of uh, uncomfortableness, tell us and get yourself off the pitch because you know how kind of protective he is of of keeping players fit and, and, and healthy. And I, and I get the impression it was a bit it was a bit of that with Gale. Like it didn't look bad, but I think you got the impression he just he, he felt that something wasn't quite right and he just wanted to come off straight away. Which fair play, um, if that if that means that he's going to be um, out for. One game rather than four or five, and then fair enough. Um, but yeah,
3: it's definitely looked a bit thin on the bench yesterday. After you know after we brought on uh, Murphy, <laughs> there wasn't really
2: a lot else that you'd think you could bring on to to change the game. But ironically, we we, we did change the game in, in many respects. Um, but so we'll see what happens. It's it's obviously very tough to do business in January, um, extremely tough. But you know you you you'd hope that you hope that we we'll see some. Some activity over
1: the next week or so. Yeah, and I suppose we'll move on. to Kind of the story of the day, or the non-story of the day, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, and at half eleven last night, the Daily Mirror published an article. That I'm just going to go into it because the none of this makes sense. First of all, it hasn't appeared in that paper today, which it might, it might have missed the deadline with this scoop, but it hasn't appeared in the actual paper. Or you could look into it and say it's not, it's not reliable enough to go into, you know, or a big enough story because there's nothing behind it, to go into the paper. But, um, half eleven last night, the Daily Mirror uh, released an article saying, um, let me just look for it here, nearly there, right, the article, the, the tweet said, Newcastle Chief Mike Ashley reinstates controversial transfer policy of signing youngsters with salon value. Before I'd even read the story, I'm thinking, that that's not controversial. S- signing younger players it wasn't what was controversial about our transfer policy signing shit like average players who didn't really want to be here was the issue like signing them and telling them that they were signing for us in order to get a move to a top four Premier League club that, that was the controversial aspect of it signing good young players isn't isn't. no one really has an issue with that and then you look you click into the story and the story says I'll kind of paraphrase a little bit um the tag at the top says benitez was given free reign in the summer he brought in the likes of matt ritchie and dwight Gale, who were 24 and 25 when we signed them even though this is kind of making the example here that you know well they're him free reign and he went and signed them too well they are young players with some value um the owner put his foot down midway through the transfer window has taken measures to have a greater say over c- Cummings and Gunners in James's Park actually made a surprise appearance before the Birmingham Cup tie and made clear he wanted to sign youngsters who would have sell-on value in the future. I didn't view his his appearance um, at Birmingham as a surprise. I, th- I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's about this time of year where he starts popping up again.
0: Yeah, like yeah, definitely, year year.
1: definitely yeah. FA Cup third round at Leicester and Watford in the past couple of years have been his first games for a long, long time. So I, I, I expected him before I even hearing the media. I expected him to be at Birmingham, and I expected him to be at quite a few more games. Definitely games in London. Anyway. Um, his team responded well by shooting at the top of the time to They have a 30 pounds transfer surplus. He has left managing director Lee Charlie, no doubt to his wishes, and former recruitment guru Graham Carr is set for a direct role in all future purchases. Benitez himself wanted just one new face during the window, cover for Cristian Azzo on the left wing, which, yep, that sounds about right to me, um, which doesn't fit in with the rest of the article either. Um... Then there's a quote from Benitez about you know struggling to sign players in this window. It now appears that Ashley's unhappy with the current way that the club's recruitment is working. He follows up his meeting as Birmingham with further instructions during midweek and is determined that his wishes are followed. So no quotes or sources listed, um, which you could you could say is you know unlikely that they're going to list them anyway. What's your Richie? You know what? What's your initial take on this story and how how worried should we be?
2: It feels a bit. It feels really strange. It feels like it, it. feels like an article that would get released if we were struggling this season, or if we're, you know, if we kind of dropped into the, um, you know, would would sort of on a bad run of form, we would drop, you know, into the playoff places, and it's kind of like that. That would be the sort of thing that would um, that would that would make Ashley kind of think, you know, put the shits up Ashley and, 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 and want to, you know, change the way things are going. It's it's a bit of a bizarre one. I mean, I saw that Lee Ryder had actually retweeted it, which yeah. I, I don't know whether that's. I mean, I know that the, the Chronicle and the Mirror have this weird sort of relationship. I've seen I've seen like Mark Douglas having articles published through the uh, the mirror site before, and I don't know whether it's like. I, I, I
1: it's, not, it's, it's not. It's not weird relationship. The Mirror owns the Chronicle.
2: <laughs> but it's it's kind of like is there, uh, the, the I've I've definitely seen over the past. Few months like differences in kind of opinions from the chronicle and the mirror like yeah. like the chronicle like sort of rubbish and things that the mirror have put out yeah so it's, it's it's just kind of like is there something there is there a shared understanding or a shared piece of inside knowledge that they've got about that um i think you make, make a good point like a lot of that article doesn't really make make a lot of sense um you know the it it, it names richie and Gail as like benitez was given free reign for those signings well that they they asked two players that would that would have probably fit into the old um, yeah the old model. Maybe the fact that they're not they haven't came from like a a, a, a a European club is maybe the the, the anomaly there. But um, but it's not as if that both of those players the, the, biggest,
1: um, we're signed, the biggest we're signing we're signing for more money than than both who was older than both of them in yeah. in, the, in the old model. So it's it's nonsensical, isn't it? Yeah. Um.
2: What what I what I would say. And this is maybe makes me think that there might be some mileage to this, is like let let's let's be honest, my athlete has you know, seen huge fruits by with with, with the with the old transfer policy as far as what its objectives were was to was to have sell on value and he's he's, he's made an incredible profit on um both Wynaldum and Susokos as just two out of out of many, many examples of players that were signed and, and sold on for double treble, bloody god knows what, what what that would amount to with Cesaro, but but yeah. you've seen even even with a team who haven't performed, players who haven't performed, they can still they can still be those big money makers and and maybe he's maybe he's the businessman in in a misthing and you know that why, white um that that model that model has bore fruits before um why why would I stop why would I stop that approach now, as far as you know, being able to make big ROI on, on on player investments. You'd you'd also have to the other the other side of that coin that doesn't make sense is the the reason why uh, Ashley and Charnley kind of handed over responsibility to Benitez this year because they finally realised that 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 key strategy just had completely failed them um, in in you know the that the whole. The whole transfer policy is a big is a big thing, just completely failed them, and that's why they said, you know, we've we've tried this again and again, and it hasn't worked. In fact, it's it's, it's failed. It's got relegated. Um, Rafa, it's time for you to just take control. But it's 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 difficult. To, it's difficult to form too much of an opinion on like whether whether there's there's legs in it or not. But um, I think that the Graham Car the Graham Car um, piece in that article is quite interesting as well. Um, Except for a direct role in all future purchases, I mean, has Graham Carr been involved in any of Benitez's science so far? I'd say I doubt it. Given the you know look, looking at the, the, the kind of players that that, that was brought in, and, and I've,
1: I've 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 heard that he really fancied Dwight Gale. I heard that that he was right. he was he was the one that and and this is my understanding of the role that Graham Carr has. He's basically. Like, any other club head scout, he's asked to go and scout players. He scouts his own players. He comes back and he gives them an opinion. And, um, like, him and the other scouting team and Benitez and whoever identified two main targets, Richie and Gale, who they wanted to bring in this season. Um, and I know what you mean, because cars kind of just disappeared, but the the story literally makes no sense. Now, this isn't me rubbishing it. At, at, right, here, here's my take on it. Mike actually has publicly said on television he wants nothing to do with, more with football he's going to leave the football to the people running the club right that's that's it he, he removed himself from the board of directors he, he has said the football is run by those people like you said the signed Rafa Benitez and they realised actually our best chance of make, keeping the club self-sufficient and profitable is by paying this m- mega brilliant bloke £5 million a year uh, compared to Charlie's wage which is rumoured to be about you know less than well a lot less than that a lot lot less than that. Um, so if you look at it, who's really running the club? Nine of Benitez's twelve signings made in the summer were twenty five and below. The only players who were over twenty-five were Hamez Hamez who else? Murphy. Hamez, Murphy and one other. DiArme? Diarme, yeah. So that's and and what Diarme was what, three million Murphy was three million, and who else have we just named? Hammers was two million. So it's, it's not like it's. So you've got to say to, to to go back to what that that's why the article makes no sense. Now people are quite rightly worried because they think, um, well, if that's if that's if this is Ashley's crack, if he's come back to ruin everything, Benitez will leave. It took Benitez and Mike Ashley and Leigh Charlie two weeks of like every single day negotiations to agree in a contract for Benitez two weeks of intense negotiations and now i think i don't think it'll have been money at all in terms of salary for benitez that'll have been the issue it would have been cast iron written contractual obligations of of the board and by the way contracts and employment contracts aren't simple which is why it's going to take so long to formulate such a document i just can't believe that that this has got a grain of truth in it. Now, if I'm if I'm wrong, then yeah, I'm wrong. Um, I hope I really hope I am, you know, not wrong. But I, I just can't see anything in this now. If the club, like we, I, me, and you, richie will be the same, and, and most people listen to this. I would don't want to return to the days of of giving um arseholes one last big payday. Really no. do it. Look at Sunderland. Look at Sunderland in the absolute mess they're in on and off the pitch. Um no one wants that so whilst there are a lot of people kind of i understand because like rafa benitez has rekindled a loving class united most of us which which wouldn't be there without him. um there's 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 a lot of time and energy being put into something which potentially isn't that that important now say someone's asked or spoke to um lee Charney or rafa or mike ashley and you know they've said what's the transfer policy off the record and they said not, nothing's changed, we're still, we're still looking for young good players to bring in, the only difference is, which is I believe this the only difference is, is, is the club isn't being sold as a stepping stone, we're selling the club to young players, as the, as the club this, these are our plans, would you like to come and play here not come and sign for us and we will you know, get you a move within three years to a top you know, a Champions League team, so I'm, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say the, the story's bullshit and I don't see anything changing anytime soon, I don't know if you agree
2: The, the the timing of it feels just bizarre as much as anything. Um, which is why I think it's there's not there's not a lot in it. Um, a lot of the context and I agree is is, is ridiculous. Why even even after all of the, the mistakes that Ashley and Charlie have made over the years and that's why I'm that's why I'm still like there's there's this element of like there could be something in this just purely probably based on that. There's this track record. But as you say, but what, why? What would you after getting relegated after all of the negotiations and, and handing over of power and the publicly stating of 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 that? Why why would you suddenly want to to just quickly just go? It's, it's, it's almost the kind of story that, like if, if Benitez had been sacked, yeah. You know, he, 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 this this kind of story would come out and, and maybe that you know that would be actually like right. Let's go back to back it, the basics. It would
1: make more sense as well if we it in the Premier League. Do you know, yeah. it would it wouldn't make sense that like like everyone knows Mike Ashley especially everyone knows how important it is to get promoted. There's no way they're going to quibble about a transfer policy, a long-term transfer policy in the most important season in a generation. I just can't. You know, this is the bloke Mike Ashley who allegedly has put in another thirty million pounds to the club of his own money. Yeah. Um, he isn't going to risk getting that back on on like on an ideology of transfers. In, in the middle of January, I just, I just honestly can't see it, and it's it's easy to rubbish sources, and it's hard for journalists. But the, this bloke's last story on Newcastle was that was we signing Ross Barkley in in, in August, um, which, like, you, 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 I mean, me, me, and you, and anyone listeners can say that, that that was just a lie. <laughs> I, I, pres- yeah. I, I think we can safely say that was a lie. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're going to take, you know, it's, it's I, I don't, I don't, you don't just want to kind of ignore any anything negative, which is why we're talking about it. Um, and say oh, everything's fine, and, and when when you know, w- w- like you say, and you know there will be there will be times in in the future when Charlie and Ashley make bad decisions. I'm I'm sure of it, um, one way or another. But I just don't I just don't think this is it.
2: The, the reality the reality is is that of course clubs want to sign players with like the best years in front of them. Like 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 why why wouldn't you want to do that? Because you've got players who are signing for your club when they're about to hit the prime that have the potential of. Of resale value. I mean, you look at Sunderland; they've got probably two players that they could make any sort of profit on that they've bought. And yeah. that's, they've got their club is just full of absolute. You know, the have signed players well beyond the best, and are on on long contracts, and they can't sell them. And if they can, they're not going to make much money from them. That's why they're financially knackered. Newcastle have to be commended in in, in, in relation to how good the, the club is, how how stable the club is financially. After all that's taken, after all that's happened, and um, so of course you want to sign players with the best years in in in, in front of them, but that there, there's there's this you know Benitez will have that will, will will also share that understanding, but he will also share the understanding of like right we need to get the right players in, and you know we also need to um, if, if 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 that means as well adding a couple of experienced heads then 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 so be it, and I, and I can't see why that will so diff, so greatly differ from from what my oshis thinking, you know is, is I, like i think i think we've we'll summarized that until until we hear more on this, this just feels like a bit of a nothing nothing article that seems much of it in the article itself seems quite flawed as well um and and you know if if this had been if this had been written by you know someone like a you know someone like Luke Edwards or a George Colton or the Mark Douglas then you know then then you could you could you could get behind it a bit more but I'm I'm not I'm not, not totally buying it with this
1: bloke who as you said he's, uh, his track record isn't exactly accurate with Newcastle. Yeah. Um I think to be fair to Lee Ryder as well, I, I I took no notice of the story last night until Lee Ryder retweeted it. But then obviously he might have been told totally to retweet it by, by his boss. It's a it, yeah. it, it is an, it is a public interest story in Newcastle United, so obviously he he has an interest in people talking about it. He's then tweeted this morning saying they've asked the club directly for a response. Which I mean, it's it's Sunday, um, that, that's fair enough. I've seen a lot of people saying the club should come out and rubbish the article, but you, you get into dangerous territory as a football club every time someone writes something you don't like. Kind yeah. of, re- it's it's almost Sunderland territory, isn't it? <laughs> like releasing yeah. club statements left, right, and centre, you you just start to look like a bit a bit idiotic. Um, I'm just going to place my faith in in Rafa Benitez. Um, you know, like you we'll want to see um, some some signs made, particularly now um, we're having issues with um, injuries. with injuries. Yeah, and and, yeah. and just the, another thing the, the player, the other player, we've been linked with this window really heavily. Or the two players, but it's hard to know how um, how much relevance there is in these stories. Is Tom Ince and the lad from Bournemouth? Is it Callum Smith? Colin Wilson. Wilson I'm almost positive they're both under 25 yeah. <laughs> so it's not it's not even like they've been aiming for players who who are I mean Wilson I've just checked Wilson's 24 yeah, um,
2: Loftus cheek as well who we trying to get on low. I mean yeah. he's 21 or something
1: yeah so th- it's not like Rafa's after a load of 32 year olds who <laughs> who've got no salon value I think ask for very quickly at very short notice ask for some questions um, from listeners thanks very much everyone got in touch I think me and Richie have covered everything that you have asked um, apart from Andrew Boo's off topic be curious to you know how long people have went without an away win my mate broke a street yesterday about 26 games I know mine was about 22 before what game was it in the league anyway was it Man City in the cup uh, when we won 2-0 in the league we won who was the first we'll get Bristol Bristol this season was 22 and Green Street, um, our mate. I don't know how many games it was, but the last time he saw us win this season before Barnsley, maybe, was um, Bolton away, at Boxing <laughs> Day two thousand and eleven. Uh, so five five years. I don't know how many games it was. Um, so yeah, yeah. Everyone's got their own stories. So following castle United away from home before this season has been torture. Um, and Phil. Um, Phil, I'm not going to try and say your surname. Um, Phil, uh, what happens, keeper wise, when Krull comes back sells out where he's playing? He'd be third choice for sure. Your take on that, Richie? Krull's not playing, by the way. They're in Holland. It's a bit yeah, of a mess. My, my take my
2: t- my t- is I don't think Tim Krull's got a future at Newcastle, if I'm being brutally honest. I think. Um I think they've they them out this season with a hope to maybe getting um, a decent deal from them if we get promoted next season rather than you know get a, get a bit of a shitty deal from them if we didn't get promoted. So I think my opinion is that Krul will be gone um, next season. I think Dalo, all things being well, will continue to be where we're number one, um, and then I think it's uh, be interesting to see what happens whether. Benitez puts us, keeps his faith in, in cells, and has him and Elliot to kind of fight it out for for, for second and third choice, or whether Benitez thinks we'll actually we we, we need a we need we need we need, a, we need a higher standard. But I think it's a position where I think if Darlo keeps on doing what he's doing, there's no reason he shouldn't um, he shouldn't he shouldn't have the uh, first choice, even if we get promoted next season. Um, that's my that's my personal
1: opinion. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of people get a bit. I know I know Crawl throws a spanner the works, but even if he does go, I wouldn't mind having Dell, um, Sells, and Elliot fighting it out for for second place because too yeah. many times, too many times of the past few years, we've ended up with an Anakin and Goal or Darlo last season when he was third choice. Like maybe it would would be an idea to have an actual third choice keeper rather yeah. than a, rather than a kid. <laughs> Um because yeah, exactly, if there's be. one team who's been fucked over by it, it's us. Um I'll never forgive Ben Anik or the club for what could have been for that quarter final against Spurs in the Calling Cup. Um we'll lost for Jack yeah, when he threw one in and that was nah. it. That was the game gone.
2: It was I think I think I've never really truly appreciated um how much, how detrimental having a crap-keeper
1: that, yeah. that your defenders have no confidence in. <laughs> yeah. is until until Jack Anik and um
2: you know I am sure he's fortunate I think he's a is it or something. Yeah, I'm sure meet, he's fortunate a something. decent career at that level, but well, tell you what, that was uh they were dark days then like very <laughs> dark,
1: very dark. Um I think that just about does it. Thanks so much Richie for coming on. Uh All always right. good to have you and thanks everyone for listening. Um We'll have Birmingham this week, um, we'll, we'll not be podcasting that, we're all going to the game, we'll, 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 I say we'll not be podcasting, we'll probably do one the next day if I can find a Rotherham fan to do the pre-Rotherham podcast, so if anyone knows any Rotherham fans who are sound, please uh, give us a shout and we'll get them on the show probably Thursday um, with a little look back at the Birmingham Cup game as well and hopefully no more stuff on this Raphael, um transfer story. Okay, thanks for listening.